You're listening to the Overfunctioning Leadership Podcast, learning leadership concepts through life experience. Hello, friends. Welcome to Overfunctioning Leadership. I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And once again, we are happy to have you. And today we are going to be talking about guiding principles. No, not like principles at a high school or a school and helping guide them, but the LES, right? LES, <laughs> Prince Pless. Not pals, Pless. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, but before we get there, as usual, uh, we're going to talk uh, about a little recap here. So, the last overfunctioning leadership, we talked about bullying and specifically just kind of looked at it from our systems perspective lens and you know what does it look like if you are the bully if you're being bullied or if you're an observer of the bullying and we talked about that with our own experiences Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so mostly john and i talked about our experiences yeah i've never been bullied i'm just you know everyone's friend (laughs) (laughs) or or because you don't know you're probably bullying everybody else i am the bully (laughs) we didn't talk about that but it's probably true uh, yeah, so that that is uh, one of uh, what is the last session here for uh, January, and also within January we had another um, Zammer, um, and that was pretty awesome. So you can go ahead and listen to that, um, and also a Brumble. But with those Zammers and the Brumbles and the chat sessions, those are also all going to be on YouTube now. There's been some talk at the the HQ or the headquarters, depending on, you know, your lingo. And a lot of water cooler talk. It has been talk. determined at the water cooler that we shall only be posting our main broadcast on the podcast. This will just be a broadcast <laughs> podcast. And all of our Zammers and our Brumbles and all the other words you don't understand, those will still be found on the YouTube. Yes, but you will no longer find them on iTunes or Google Play or Simplecast. So that's a change we've decided to make. Um, so there you go. In case you wonder where they went to, they went to the YouTubes. You can find them there. Okay, so... It's fable time, so go ahead, uh, get at those uh, knitting needles out. Uh, I believe Zach has a wonderful fable for us. Yeah, so uh, I was sitting around, you know, and I have two friends that I was sitting in the room listening to talk while I was just going away at my computer. We'll call them Bob and Fred for the purposes of this conversation. And uh, it was interesting because Bob is just this guy who's been around at the company. Both of these people work at the same company. And it's been interesting because Bob is a person who's been around the block. He's worked there for a long time. He has experience in that industry and at that company. And so he's worked with both Bob and Fred's, their collective boss, for a long time. And Fred was actually complaining to Bob about how he had tried to roll over a vacation day. And he went to this boss, and he's like, hey, I know we usually don't, but it's one vacation day. I have a reason that, to use it next year. Like, can I? And the guy says no. And it was interesting to listen to Bob rationalize um, hit what he recommended Fred to do. Because what he said was, and, and this is where I, I have, like, some moral objections in terms of I, I'm someone who will lean towards over the table rather than under the table uh, when in doubt. And it was interesting because he recommended, he said, yeah, our boss, Bob says, yeah, our boss, he's someone who just immediately says no. 
but I try and be someone who says yes. Like if I had been in, in that situation, like, yeah, whatever, it's, it's one day, just take it. Like we don't count sick days. We don't. So if you took three sick days and then, uh, try to take this day, you know, they lose a day. If you took no sick days and you took this day, like they wouldn't even care. Like they shouldn't even care. Like, so, uh, you know, this goes to show, and he says this, this goes to show you should just not ask anymore. Right. (laughs) Sort of this whole, like, um, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. Yeah. And he's not saying, hey, don't work. Like, he was saying, hey, like, you know, I've been there a while. You just you just don't ask and you make it up on a Saturday and you put it down as a Friday. Because the only way they know is if you put it on your timesheet. Uh, it was an interesting philosophy. So I, I think of, you know, guiding principles. And so is a guiding principle in that case uh, what they don't know doesn't hurt you. <laughs> I don't know. Or do you somehow you decide to do that and then you go to the Yankees game and you get on TV <laughs> and then you're stuck or you're yeah. in the paper. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think I remember a Seinfeld episode about that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Wait, I didn't see that. <laughs> and it's interesting because, um, like, the way that their comp days work, like, they would be okay if they worked a Saturday. And took the Friday as a comp day, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's just a weird, like, from the boss's perspective, he doesn't he, – he wants all vacation days to be used in the calendar year. But from a workplace culture that they're trying to build, if you work the hours, right, we understand that you, you have comp days and stuff like that. And – but there, there's no bending of the rules if you talk to them. <laughs> so, uh, so if you talk to them, then you're in. Tr- then you won't be able to do it. But if you don't talk to them, then you will be able to do it. Yeah, that's what you're telling me. It, it's like you ask forgiveness. You know what, yeah. what's the phrase? Uh, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's sort of the philosophy, but. Morally questionable in my sense because they know he would say no. Yeah, well, and this, this, I mean, on a systems level, this makes sense. So, you know, within the system of the workers, um, the complaining and the, the, oh, I would never do it that way. I would say yes. You know, this is, (laughs) this is a common like reactive behavior of, of, you know, establishing, you know, I'm trying to establish some sort of homeostasis between those two people and, and putting that person in a triangle. The boss is in the outside of the triangle. We're getting closer together. I mean, this is yeah, pretty classic, classic automatic functioning when it comes down to, you know, you weren't able to do something, so I'm going to react adversely to it. Um, and I think one of the more difficult relationships is in a one-down relationship mm-hmm. between, mm-hmm. In, in this case, an employee and a boss. And I think it's helpful that prior to that conversation, if there's been a relationship established, even initiated by the the one down person or the rank and file employee. So when they have a reasonable request to the boss, the boss is more likely to be flexible and see the you know how you can apply rules instead of a hard and fast and rigid way uh, in a more sensible and uh, way that might show nuances. So uh, that might be something to consider is cultivating a, a better relationship prior to needing that particular favor. 
Well, and and that's actually the funny thing. So Fred <coughs> went and asked, and he's actually uh, has a decent relationship with the boss, from what I understand, and he's actually had this conversation before. Um, and so it's tense, and he he basically concluded the conversation with Bob the bot that he'd never ask again. He he's just gonna do what Bob said or just not ask ever again. Like he's ended that conversation completely because it just ends up being so tense because the boss will only say no. He will now, not be buttered. He yeah, do not butter my bread. <laughs> now the interesting thing mentioning this one up one down is Bob, swell guy. He he's actually essentially like a manager from what I understand because of all this experience. It's a very flat company. He's a manager, but at the same time he's rejected the formalities of a manager position. So really Bob and friend company on the company perspective are on the same level. Mm-hmm. But because he's turned down the official title, right, he has no say in this conversation that he otherwise might. And he is an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think it might be helpful to define guiding principles yeah. and then see if that definition fits in this scenario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's think through uh, the concept of guiding principles, and I'll give you a definition uh, of guiding principles. Uh, this particular um, what I'm going to share with you comes from uh, Roberta Gilbert and her book, uh, Extraordinary... No, this book is called The Cornerstone Concept, The hmm. Cornerstone Concept by Roberta Gilbert. And in that book, she talks about guiding principles. And so let me give you a definition of guiding principles. <clears throat> uh, definition that is carefully considered beliefs a person has by which a person decides to live. So these carefully considered beliefs a person has by which a person decides to live. And so a person has a belief and they have an action. And I think a couple things are helpful uh, when, it, when it comes to guiding principles. And I'll just share one uh, with you is that they are, they are slowly acquired over a long period of time. So they're slowly acquired over a long period of time. And so I can remember a, a particular statement that someone gave me. Uh, I heard someone say about their girlfriend, there's nobody on this earth that can treat my girlfriend better than I can. And I remember hearing this person say that and thinking, that is so cool. That is like an awesome thing to say. I was young. And so I was meeting with an older gentleman who was kind of my mentor, and he asked me how my dating relationship was going with the person I was dating. And I said, it's going great. He said, how, how do you think? Why do you say that? I said, because there's nobody that can treat her as good as I can. <laughs> and I said it with just utter conviction. Lots of gusto. Lots of gusto. And with matching gusto, he said to me that maybe the most conceited thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And in retrospect, he was right. So that guiding principle was something I heard somebody else say that sounded neat. And I thought, I think I'll use that too. But guiding principles are those principles that are thought through really carefully over long periods of time. 
So I go back to your scenario, Zach, uh, about Bob, et cetera, et cetera, and the policy of no rollover days for personal vacation. That's the policy. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and do you think that the people in the company know that policy? Uh, personally, I I don't think it's super communicated from okay. the way that they were talking about it. Okay. You know, so so what what one might say is if that policy was clearly communicated by the ownership or by the the boss, you can disagree with that policy and think that it makes it inconvenient for you. But from my perspective, and I'd be curious what you guys think, that is a guiding principle, that this is what we're going to do in this company, and you should expect it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that, that that's something that it's okay for a boss to do. I don't know. That's what I think. I, I mean, it makes sense to me. Based off the definition that you've given, <clears throat> carefully thought through and decided, it was, I'm guessing they thought through that before they even made that decision, that that's the policy behind it. So... Um, yeah, so um, that would be something that I think would be important there to just for, based off that definition. I also think that there's got to be some logistical reasoning behind it. Maybe it's not communicated. Um, from my understanding from uh, Bob, who's been there a long time, he he said that like after five years they're allowed to roll it over or something. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to roll up to five days. So I can see how that prevents – uh, that that adds a question. Well, why can't you be flexible? This is one day. It's you know, and this this is a tenured employee. He's been there several years, right? So it's not like he's fresh off the boat. But I, I'm sure there's logistical reasons behind it, like maybe payroll end of the year, or you know, you have to handle it differently. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I think of the related piece of the guiding principles, which is. A person has a belief that they have thought through carefully, they've tried on, if you will, and they've thought about it uh, for a period of time, but they're also open to new ways of thinking, to new perspective. And hmm. so I think sometimes leaders can have a policy and hmm. you know it's open and shut case and never have to think about it again, but to thoughtfully consider where there may be some exceptions to this policy. And I'll say this, exceptions breed anxiety. Having a black and white policy on paper that's enforced, letter of the law, takes the decision-making completely out of the hands of the leader. And sometimes leaders would prefer it that way just because then they don't have to make judgment calls and get accused of favoritism. So I understand the temptation to have the policy in place. I don't know necessarily, though, that it's in the best interest of the company to have no exceptions at all. Yeah, and that was one thing that was presented. I don't know if you recall me saying that, but he he mentioned that the boss is a, a no guy. Right. Like I just watched the Jim Carrey movie the other day. Yes, man. The whole premise is um, there's this little fanatical group of people that have subscribed to this. It's almost a self-help. You'll have a better life if you say yes to everything. And so the speaker comes down to Jim Carrey and forces him because Jim Carrey is being a no man in front of him. And the the guy's sort of floundering. So he he in a funny Jim Carrey-esque way makes Jim Carrey admit to a covenant with him with the un- with himself jim carrey makes a covenant with himself to say yes to everything and of course it's a hilarious movie but um in that 
in a similar way, like, this guy's response to everything, at least in the way he's viewed, is no. And um, that doesn't seem carefully considered in terms of um, conversationally. Why weren't logistics presented? Why weren't... Now, in contrast to that, my RD, I know I talk about him a lot, in college was a great guy, and he wasn't always viewed that way. And I think that's funny because that lines up with a lot of what we read in Resilient Leadership and Failure of Nerve, just reactionary responses. But he had a policy where he was actually a relatively flexible guy, but being a resident director of a dorm of guys, you have to consider if everyone came to me and asked this question and I gave them the same answers I'm giving the first person to ask this question, would the college be in shambles after that? You know, can I say yes to everyone? Because you have to consider the full consequences. And it was interesting because he did that, and from my perspective, he did it well. He said, hey, I can't say yes to this because if everyone asked this of me, this would be the consequence. And I, I respected him for that, even though he did get a lot of flack for that, whereas other resident directors and other leaders didn't respond in that way. And it undermined his leadership, and it also resulted in those consequences that he mentioned later on. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said, too, about the policies and who's making them. So... I know that John and I have experienced this um, within a classroom. Yeah. I can't tell you last time I did this or whether I've even done it. Well, yeah, it's been a long time. There's a trick that the teachers like to play at the beginning of the year sometimes, especially in, when they're younger teachers of, okay, I have classroom rules, and let's have the class make them up together. Mm -hmm. Like that is a classic, like, Let's do them together so that way it actually gives ownership to the kids mm -hmm. about the rules and the, the, that are taking place in the classroom. Usually they're hard on, harder than you would be on them, and it tends to go a lot better. Now, within your company, I'm guessing, <clears throat> you know, there might be an issue with maybe this policy, but, like, who has a chance to actually make the policy and what does that look like? I think that can be difficult, but then you also have unions and you also have like with our school, you've got different, you know, faculty councils and whatnot. And that's why those are in place. So that way can, people can actually have chances to talk about policies and how, who's putting them together. But I think there is something to be said about having other people be a, allowing their autonomy to be had and allowing them to be heard. So that would, that, that covers some of that, um, scarf model that we've talked about in the past. And so, you know, when you talked about policy, I, that's the one thing I think about too, is like, who's ownership of this? Who decided mm -hmm. the policy? Like, why did they decide it this way? And, you know, um, and that, that, I, I don't want to veer too much from our guiding principle talk. Um, although I, I do, you know, within organizations, guiding principles can be coming of organizations. It's just not an individual thing either. A system can decide on its own guiding principles. So, um, so I'm not taking it back. No. And, and so, you know, guiding principles are ones that are carefully thought through. They are open to new perspectives, yet... They are resistant to pressure from the group to cave. That's a fine line to walk between getting input and allowing the input to overrun 
So if I think uh, of an owner of a company or the leader of a business or a family or a classroom, if they thought through very carefully what they believe this system should be about as the leader of that system, then they can be open to new perspectives, but they can also realize when the answer is no, this is not what we're going to do, or this is not what I'm going to allow to happen in this. And if I can, the SCARF model, we went through it, we've talked about it before. Every human being values these items, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. If I can have those five elements in place with the people that I lead, then I can get their perspective. Mm-hmm but they will be less likely to invade my space and to, to use that voice to, to express strong, strong opposition. Look at totalitarian nations. Nations, Iran's a good example in the news right now, where when you allow some dissent, then you get huge demonstrations. So how does one allow input from others, yet still maintain leadership and control and in a proper way of relating from a leader and followers. It's a really, really tricky balance. So one of the first questions that I wrote down, I have several actually here, but let's just, can we go here, guiding principles, why? You know what, why? Uh, What else is there? Um, I I guess if I don't do guiding principles, if I don't decide based on guiding principles, then what other option do I have when trying to decide A or B on a particular decision. Mm -hmm. And I think the only other option is going by the whim of the people and what they want. And then the system has no sense of direction at all. And there's, I would say, chaos and a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Or you flip the coin, which always works out so well. Yeah. You look at different government models, and that's why... um popular vote isn't always great, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we have a democratic uh, government, per se. And I'm getting mad at you. Republic, a democratic <laughs> republic is That's because right. that the it doesn't sway quite as sure. easily. It requires a little bit more forethought to move these individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go back to your fable. Uh, so let's say that, and I don't know the names, but Let's say Bob comes into the office and has a request like you mentioned. Uh, imagine that the boss responded this way. Okay, I'm going to flip a coin. And if it's heads, it's yes. And if it's no, it's tails. And so if it ends up being tails and if the answer is no, that, that per, the person's going to say, that's not fair. You know, that's like not a way to decide. Okay, instead, let's do a company-wide vote on whether or not your, your concern is legitimate or not. Well, now he has to say, well, am I currying favor with this group or that group? So I think guiding principles, everything else is a terrible idea. Guiding principles is the best one of them all. So how do you get them? Uh, where do these guiding principles coming from, and how can you acquire these guiding principles? I mean, we talk about family of origin a lot. I know, I know a lot of the things that I value um, – manifest themselves as the my guiding principles i know i learned honesty from my my experiences with my parents and i've seen the way that trust and truthfulness has impacted um 
my parents' relationships with some of their formerly close friends. And so in that way, I have, through a little bit of my own experience and some of my parents, I now have, if you talk to any of my friends, a very, very strong emphasis on trust being at the center of my relationships with other people, and I'm very clear about that. Yeah, I think family is a place to require those. I think for some people, faith is a, an important guiding principle that they they use and they view situations through um, what faith dictates in terms of certain uh, church uh, church teachings. Uh, so I think that's a place, too, that things are required as well. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense why people do have different faiths because it does give them a, a solid foundation for to make those difficult decisions. And that, I mean, there's a reason why people have faith. <laughs> it's not, you know, I, yeah. So, um, so somebody, I, I know that this question came to you earlier today, John. Um, so how do you differentiate between like a gut feeling and a guided principle? Yeah, that's a, and I've had that question several times. I actually had it today in a uh, workshop that I was leading. And I'm not sure, like, exactly how to explain it best, and I'm not sure I know it for sure, but I, I think that sometimes a gut reaction can be based on emotional pressure that we sense from others, that we just go with our gut because we feel like if we don't, there could be trouble down the road with another person as opposed to allowing a belief. So I think of thinking versus feeling. And, you know, for each person, a gut feeling, is it thinking? Is it feeling? I don't know. I guess each person has to think through that themselves. But I think the principle that Bowen Theory does talk about is that when you're making a tough decision, uh, it's best to go with good thinking, solid thinking versus the fear of how others might react. Um, where gut feeling falls there, I think it's the, up to each person to kind of figure out themselves. Well, a gut feeling is usually a decision like, I don't know if anybody's like, I mean, other than like literally your gut, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to eat this today. <clears throat> As opposed to that, that might be a literal gut feeling. But, you know, usually <clears throat> people are talking about gut feelings. It's There's a decision to be made, and they're at a sticking point to where they need to make it's either this or that, you know. And it's like uh, I, the most classic one that I can actually think of is, I mean, I don't remember which Cleveland Browns coach, but there was a Cleveland Browns coach who had to decide between two different quarterbacks. And it was like, <laughs> should we flip a coin? I don't know. And then he just, this is my gut feeling. We're going with this person. It's, we're going with Charlie Fry, I think it was, yeah. actually. <laughs> my gut feeling. And it was, you know, I could hear, I can even hear the media groan right now, and my own self groan right now, because it's like, it's just a willy-nilly, you know. Um in some cases, like this is my gut feeling, and it did not work out very well for Charlie Fry. Actually, Derek Anderson played pretty well though afterwards. But, yes, but I mean, it, it seems like there's a distinction there. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Zach? The question that's popping into my head is why are gut feelings bad? If if there is no guiding principle in place, is there something wrong with gut feeling? So if there's no guiding principle. No, yeah. So do I form a guiding? Is, is using my gut an indication that I need a guiding principle? I mean, it's very easy in the idea of 
of the Browns. Like, we want someone to have thoughtfully considered why this person should be making stacks of cash and leading our team with uh-huh. their every throw, you know. But are it, there times where gut feelings are okay? Huh. Um, but even, I don't know, like, I would even think that, well, I would assume that the person that was deciding to pick the quarterback probably has factual things that they could use. They have a guiding principle of what they like to see in a quarterback. Maybe it was just a, man, these are terrible quarterbacks. <laughs> I have to pick one, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh. Sometimes the decisions aren't clear cut. So I think I just went with my gut is I don't want to give anybody permission to make a decision like, <laughs> okay, that I approve of the way you made that decision. But if someone said to me that, that I went looked at the the statistics of A versus B, and it can be quarterbacks or other things, and there was no clear-cut winner. So I just went with my gut and, and went with Charlie Fry. And it might not work out very well, but you, a person's thought through it carefully and gave it their best shot and then opened to looking at it in reverse and saying, maybe, you know, maybe I missed something or maybe there was something I could have done a little bit differently or maybe not. Hmm. So then, you know, I, I was listening to the definition, and we have this carefully deciding and slowly acquired, and I thought that was an interesting um, place that the emphasis lied. You have, it, it requires careful consideration, mm-hmm. and there needs to be a decision, um, which implies a very deliberate choice. Um, so what... What do we do when we come up against someone whose guiding principles might be in contradiction to our own? Yeah, I had that question today, and uh, I did a presentation on extraordinary relationships. And the question I posed to the the group was, "What makes relationship chal- relationships challenging?" And one of the people mentioned, "When what I believe should happen about something is different from what someone else believes," and that can be difficult, especially if it's uh, two colleagues that are, you know, of equal um, authority, if you will. And, you know, I think to clearly define self, or this is why I believe what I believe, and openly listen to what another person says, see if a compromise might be able to be reached, um, where someone gets this and someone else gets some of that, and being open to taking half a loaf as opposed to the whole loaf. Um, but but so I think curiosity, defining self, listening to the perspective of another, and seeing if from there some type of compromise can't be reached. Yeah, and if compromise can't be reached, then you need to start making decisions on, okay, if this is my company and this is the way this guiding principle, this works, then maybe I need to not be here anymore, or mm-hmm. I've been dating this person, or you know, I'm, I'm in a relationship with this person, whether it's dating, friendship, whatever. And my guiding principles have changed, and this happens all the time, right? So my, I, would, I would hope so as, as a young man when my forebrain wasn't fully developed, <laughs> um, you know, as, a, as my forebrain has developed over time, that my guiding principles and my maturity, mm-hmm. my self-differentiation has gone up. So my willingness to be with people who do not have developed forebrains in a 
romantic relationship has gone down drastically <laughs> because, yeah. you know, the, the self-differentiation from that person and their guiding principles aren't going to align probably with mm-hmm. mine. And so that at that point, you might want to reevaluate what type of relationship do I have here? Um, I was talking with a young person, high school student just recently who broke up with his girlfriend and I had heard and I said, Hey, what happened to you? And so, and so we broke up. Why is that? He said, well, she told me that we needed to work on our communication, that our communication was a problem. I said, okay, is that why she broke up with you? And uh, he said, no, I broke up with her. I said, why did you break up with her? He said, she liked to drink heavily and I don't like to drink. So in her mind, it was communication. In hers mind, his mind is, I believe one thing, she believes something else. And, you know, there's not much compromise when it comes to the way. And so he felt like it was best they part ways. But her, <laughs> like, her belief was, we need communication to I work like on commu- that. I like communication. And then, actually, we're going to cut it off then. <laughs> no more communication. That's right. Just a flat out goodbye, like, <laughs> No. I'm sure that went really well, too. I can only imagine the um, automatic functioning that re- in response to, well, you think it's communication? And I, I doubt, I, I wonder if he actually said this is the reason why. I think he said, you know what, we probably do have trouble, trouble with communication. <laughs> okay. But the way he articulated it to yeah. me was, she drank a lot, and I don't like to drink. Yeah. Plus, I'm underage, so that's another problem. It's <laughs> another guiding principle that <laughs> I can't she is quite, too. I can't quite be with. Yeah. So, uh, I imagine the the recourse on that might have been a little interesting too. So, um, well, do we have other anything else that you guys can think of that would be important for us to talk about when it comes to guiding principles? Hmm? Well, one one effect that on leadership of guiding principles is uh, the calming effect it can have on the group. I, I did a workshop today where uh, one of the leaders that's part of our Resilient Leadership Initiative uh, spoke of guiding principles and what he really believed for his organization. He experienced pushback from the people he was leading, and so he allowed that emotional pressure to change his guiding principles, and it made it worse because now the people didn't know what to believe. Hmm. Uh, so I think if a leader communicates guiding principles, they've thought through them carefully— they are open to new perspectives. They communicate those guiding principles to others. They act on those guiding principles. We know with systems theory, there's going to be sabotage and pushback, that they stay connected to those individuals and still continue to insist on those guiding principles while still being flexible where it seems necessary on how they're implemented. And if one does that, it can bring calm to a system. I would say one of the worst things to do is to communicate guiding principles and then to abandon ship at the first sign of reactivity because it's going to happen. So expect it. Yeah, I think it allows people to have ownership too. I mean, we could even just look on a product standpoint, um, you know, Apple or Disney or any of those big ones sure have very strong guiding principles and if you watch their ads and you you have an idea of what they're guiding maybe what their guiding principles may be and so that allows people to attach to those guiding principles um or you look into let's even break it just down to a family so zach you talked about your family and trust i mean that was a guiding principle that came and i'm sure that bonded your family instead of just 
hey, we, we trust here. And then <laughs> in the next sentence, we break the trust. And, you know, the guiding principle is flimsy. And so, um, but it can bond people together uh, and going pointed in the same direction, which can be really helpful um, for being able to influence one another, um, but also um, to communicate even. <laughs> Yeah, and I just had this thought. I was watching a TED Talk a while ago. You guys might remember the name of the particular guy, but the the point of the talk was why. Like, you start with the why and you work your way out, and they presented three concentric circles, Uh what, how, and why. And he said most people market by telling you what they're marketing, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, and why they do it. I'm Apple. This is my computer. We're going to make it through... Um, putting in the best parts and making it look really great. And we do that because we care about you as the consumer, right? We care about beauty and efficiency and aesthetics, whatever, right? And the point of his talk was actually, hey, you should start with the why and work your way out. Mm -hmm. Tell us why you're doing it. We care about the quality of our products, how you're going to do it. And so we use the best possible stuff that we can inside of this. And then what? So that you have a great laptop and that's an interesting because when we apply it to this it gives people if you've clearly presented your guiding principles it gives the people around you some sort of at least feeling of understanding as to why you're doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. so even if you haven't clearly explained the logic behind it right if you've emphasized um, trust or ease of process or whatever your guiding principle might be, um, they're going to have that understanding rather than it being a black box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see that a lot, you know, just in school from a fairness scale. Oh, man, that's not fair. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a big part of fairness of, you know, well, they do it this way because that's what their guiding principle is. So I knew that going into it, so this is fair of what I've gotten. So find that interesting too on that end so with that i think we're pretty good guiding principles they guiding principles. give them a thumbs up <laughs> yeah I, I would just end with the guiding principles of thinking clearly about what you believe and getting multiple perspectives from uh, individuals from different readings uh, you mentioned family some turn to faith for guiding principles uh, when one does that you become calmer and when one's calmer, one can lead better. Mm-hmm. By the way, it was Simon Sinek. Yes, that's that's who it is. Start yeah. with why. Yeah, start with why. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I would say that I'm actually kind of obsessed about about how this guiding principles and purpose and all of those things. It, mm-hmm. And I and I echo what John said. It just you know from leading different small groups and different groups here and there, um, being able to set those foundational pillars and saying this is what we stand for really gets people going in the right direction and helps them understand what you're trying to do. Uh, otherwise, people, they're just, you know, why, why am I here? Like, why am I doing this thing? And, and what's the point? Um, especially, you know, and I think it, it works. You're like, we're here because we're going to make money. But sometimes we're, we're part of systems where we're in a family or a small group or whatever, <laughs> And if you don't have a reason why we're here, or even just like I'm hanging out with my friends, there's no reason why we're getting together, then what the heck are we doing here? And things seem to dissolve rather quickly when it comes down to a guiding principle relationship. You talked about extraordinary relationships, on a, even a relational end, you know, 
it can really dissolve things quickly. So, well, hmm. I believe we have some shout outs to go ahead and uh, toss out there. Um, Jesse Huffsettler, once again, is killing it with our music and our... Yeah, what's that called again? Well, I was I was having breakfast. Shout out to Matt Ferfero from uh, Concord High School in Indiana. I uh, had breakfast with Matt, and he mm-hmm. said, your podcast is sounding great with that Starfish Limiter. Ooh. So I was impressed with Matt <laughs> and his knowledge of the Starfish Limiter. So shout out to Matt. Keep up the good work there in Concord High. That was a direct quote from Matt. Uh, I, it was a little bit of an embellishment. No, no, it was, it was definitely. It a, was a direct quote. It was a direct quote because yeah. otherwise John would have no idea what the Starfish Limiter actually is. That's correct. In fact, he doesn't even know what it is now. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, if you want to check us out, obviously we're on iTunes, uh, Google Play. You can check us out on YouTube. We're in Simplecast, Facebook. Those are the places you can find us. Anything else, Zach, that I'm missing? Nope. Then we're over functioning leadership. And your name is? I'm Zach. I'm John. I'm Alex. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.